to Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host, Eddie Hill, along with my other host, Rick Warren, and an empty seat with a microphone in it for Gordon Park. Let's give everybody <laughs> a big hand. Yeah. Way to go, Gordon. Yeah, you know Gordon's there. <laughs> somewhere somewhere but we gotta look at his new microphone look at that rick man that, that's fancy dancy right there he is styling and profiling with that mic the only bad thing is we can't hear him yet so i mean that uh that kind of sucks but i guess he'll be in in a minute so everybody we've got a really great show for you tonight and first off, I want to tell you that Rick has been doing a little bit of uh, research on a bunch of different areas. And uh, Rick, I'm going to let you start off this show because, I mean, this is kind of your baby here. So uh, <laughs> jump in there and I will help you uh, diaper and pamper and powder the baby. But uh, okay. it's going to be to tell hey, everybody. Look who, just showed up. look who just showed up. It is the man with the new microphone. He's making sure that stuff's plugged in. He wants to sound good. What's up, Gordon? Oh, he we can't hear him. He's got a brand new microphone. Which means 
Now, I think you're plugged in. I think you need to uh, check your uh, settings there on uh, BeLive and make sure that it's got that microphone set as its default mic. So while he's doing that, Rick, go ahead and tell everybody about what's been going on and what you got for us tonight. Okay. Well, it's kind of like what you had going on down there, Eddie. It's it's hotter than, uh, yeah. And um, we're looking at maybe a cool down here of about 20 degrees within, I want to say probably another week or so, but that's going to be before, before that, it's going to be hot and humid. So anyway, I was thinking about our show and it says paranormal analytical. And I got right. to thinking about, before we ever started to be into the paranormal, there had to be something that transpired. And the only common denominator that I come up with was that it was death. And I wanted to look into, into the cultures of death and how different cultures around the world in the USA um, actually looked at how we portray, how we handle, how we mourn and how we just, you know, how do we take care of our, our deceased? What happens after that? And also another thing that I found interesting, Eddie, was the fact that there was a lot of people that contacted me that said they had had NDEs, near-death experiences. Yes, sir. And um, I wanted to see if there's anybody that might jump on in the chat and, um, you know, talk about maybe their experiences with an NDE, which is a near-death experience. Um, I'll open up by telling you mine. Um, four years ago, I had uh, open-heart surgery. And during that surgery, um, I literally left and um, I was above the operating table looking down and I could see every machine. I could hear it pumping. I could hear the blood pumping in the machine that was keeping me alive. I could see the, the uh, machine that was pumping air into my lungs as they operated up and down, up and down. And I could see the doctor's faces. I could see the nurses. I could, I could look at the equipment on the table as they were prepping me to go ahead and continue with what they were doing with my open heart surgery. I don't know how long I was out of my body. I can't tell you because in that time sequence, I'll be honest with you, time didn't, wasn't there. There was no time. It was like it was just there. You know something, I've heard that from many people, uh, not only just within the paranormal field, but also people who have had near-death experiences that there is no actual time and the other realm you don't there's it's like over here we feel time as time passing um if you cross over in the other world there's no time it's like and i don't even know how to explain it maybe you can do it better or somebody who may have had a near-death experience can explain it but there's no can you guys hear me yet and the other side uh go ahead uh gordon i just wanted to know if you guys could hear me yet no oh yeah now yeah. I can hear you now we can all right, I had to change the default settings on my smart one. Yeah, get out. Of course, you had to fix it. We all. I had to change the default settings on my computer, and I didn't know that I had default settings. And uh, Vero, uh, who's on here, Vero Hill says, "I'm an NDE." 
So she's obviously had a near-death experience. So uh, we're going to want to hear more from you here just a little bit, Vera. If you could, uh, if you can post a little bit about what happened or uh, what it was like, you know, we'd appreciate it if you could put that into the chat room. And uh, then we've got uh, Darren says, happy birthday, Rick. Yeah. Rick, we did Today not my know. birthday. We did not know today was your birthday. Happy birthday. Yes, it is. You know what? Huh? You tell me. I'd light a candle for you. I'd light a candle for you, but it looked like a fire-breathing dragon. Yeah. Now, Rick <laughs> didn't tell us that he was going to have a birthday. I totally spaced it was today. I'm sorry. Happy birthday today, Rick. You are a young teenage man. You just look oh, a little I would. Compared little to the sun, he is a teenager. <laughs> Stick a fork in me and turn me over. I'm done. I turned 65 today, guys. Wow, and you wow. don't day over sixty five. I mean, I, I mean forty five. <laughs> well, honestly, you look you look damn good. Oh, I, hope I, I hope when I turn fifty five, and I'm not going to say how old I am because I'm old, but I hope when I turn sixty five, I look as young as you do because you don't look old whatsoever. I hope when I turn sixty five, I have my hair back. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, there you go. There you the go. The older you get, the more you regress and start looking more like your baby pictures. You know, That's but right. other than wetting myself, I'm hoping that I'm going to start looking younger. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and we got a. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to open the discussion. And then we've got Jake. This is, a, this is Rick's son right here. Everybody, Jake Warren is Rick's son, just so everybody knows. And hey, there he is. I don't know if he wants me to associate him with his dad, but we're going to do it anyway on here. And he says, Happy <laughs> dad, man, that's cool, awesome son. That is cool, Jake. Proud of you, brother. And then we've got uh, Beth Adams says, Hi, Rick. And uh, hi, Beth. Kurt Martinez says, Damn, if that's true, then Rick was a hairy baby. I don't know. I hadn't really seen any other parts of his body. So we'll just kind of keep it as a big guess on that one. But, uh, yeah, uh, Gordon, talk a little bit real quick before we get back into the any uh, near-death experiences with Rick. And I want to hear what that mic sounds like. And I think he would, but he's frozen. Oh, my gosh. We lost him again. Gordon. You know, we fixed the mic problem, and now we have to fix an internet problem because he freezes. So anyway, continue on with near-death experiences, Rick. We will get back to Gordon at some point. Okie doke. Well, anyway, I wanted to um, uh, talk about and talk with anybody who has had an NDE and uh, just exactly what it was like for them. I know what it was like for me because when I was out of my body, I was looking down at the operating table, at, like I had said, and I could see everybody, the doctors, the nurses, anybody and everybody coming in out of the room as they was prepping me and getting ready to open me up and then during the procedure. And like you said, Eddie, at that, at that time, there was no time in that, in that area where I was at. I could not tell any time whatsoever. And after a while, it, it just like as, after, as I'm watching these people work on me, um, I felt like a, a pulling, a tugging, 
at my spirit. And, and it was almost like I just went back to sleep and I went back inside. And in two days later, I woke up in um, um, intensive care. Well, was there a calming effect? I mean, did you feel calm during that time or did you feel uh, like a sense of panic or was everything good? I mean, what was what was your surroundings like? I mean, what was it that you were sensing? Did you have any uh, smell, taste, hearing? Uh, I know you had sight. No. You were looking down. Uh, did you have anything mm-hmm. that you could, you know, maybe put forward that would give people an idea of what was going on with you? At that time, at that time, Eddie, when I was looking around, there was no kind of sense of of feeling. There was no sound. As far as sound, I was just observing. Um, I could look down from my down to my shoulders, and that's as far as I could see it because otherwise it was all white. And I could see my body, you know, from up to my shoulders, but that was it. And again, like I said, I could see exactly what and what they were doing, what they were prepping, everything. And then after a while, it felt like a tugging and there wasn't any sense of uh, pain. There wasn't any sense of loss. There wasn't any senses whatsoever, physical, mental, spiritual, anything. It was just, it was like I was, like I'm right here now, uh, talking to you and watching you, but I couldn't communicate with them. And then the tugging started almost like it was inside of me somewhere. And I went back into my body, I guess. And two days later, I woke up in ICU. So you felt like there was a tugging, like there, like it was like something from inside was kind of pulling you in, trying to pull you back toward your body. Yes. Yes, exactly. And um, yeah, did, I didn't really desire. I mean, did you have a desire to go back or was this kind of involuntary? This was involuntary because I was so enthralled with what I was looking at. The colors were vivid. I remember that extinct, uh, extensively. The colors were just super vivid as far as what I could see and everything that was around me. And um, and when that tugging come, it was from inside of me and I was feeling it in, inside of my spirit. It wasn't my body. I just felt like my spirit was being pulled back. and. There wasn't anything I could do. I had to go with it. Hmm. Now, Vera Hill, uh, she says, was similar to yours, uh, get out of cardiac arrest after, uh, let's see, after tumor removal at 16, visit the realm, felt protons, neurons, soul gathered together to a being equals consciousness guided me to Jesus while I became oneness to all universe energy in front of this uh, humongous length of colors behind it can't look I, I guess you meant I can't look at it it burns my soul so just direct talk to Jesus hear talk felt emotions this peaceful, lovable emotions can't remember none, just the now on there. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Is that yeah. I, can relate to a lot of what, I can relate to a lot of what she's saying there as far as the colors and the energy and the vibrant um, 
feel of what you what your spirit feels like at that time. I can't say that I saw Jesus or was drawn to him or anything else like that, because I think that's on, a, on an individual belief system, Eddie, and uh, the religious part and everything that goes on within DEs. And, uh, but once you've had this experience, it makes you wonder, it really does, because I did not talk to anybody about this for almost over a year because I doubted myself. I doubted the reality of what actually transpired at that time. I didn't want to believe it if you want to know the truth because it was so, it was an awakening, if I can say that. And I think anybody and everybody that's had an NDE, it, it, it transforms you from one reality to another reality when this, this happens in your life. I think it makes you look at things a lot differently. Am I correct as far as life and living and what are our purposes here on earth and, and et cetera, et cetera. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yes. Very much so. I mean, I remember waking up when I was in the hospital and I remember the, uh, the, of course I was in, I wasn't in too much pain because they were lighting me up with the um, anesthesias and the painkillers and everything. But I remember thinking that when I woke up that everything looked different. Everyone looked different. It looked uh, a lot sharper. It was a look into a, a, an almost abstract three-dimensional world. Everything just come in. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was seeing things much more sharper than I'd ever seen before in my life. Wow. And see, and it, it's always, you know, intriguing and exciting to hear the stories that people have of their near-death experiences. Vera, also thank you so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Um, it's, I, th I think death for most people is kind of a scary thing. And I think most people are afraid of death. They're afraid of what comes after. They're afraid that, I think more than anything, that there's nothingness. I think most people are afraid that there's nothing after death that it's just everything goes away. But I feel, and this is maybe because of my belief system, I feel that we go on. I don't know what to expect, as probably most people don't. Um, but I really feel that death is feared by most because of the unknown that lurks behind it. Um, I think that because of, you know, the possibility of what if there's a hell? What if there's, oh, a, yeah. what if there's nothing? Did I leave my, live my life right? Uh, will I be tortured? Will I have to spend eternal, uh, be live eternally in the fire, in the pits of hell, you know, after I pass on because I did some something bad. I think there's a lot of things that go on in people's head, depending on the religions behind it. But I think that the soul will go on. And, uh, you know, talking to people that have had these experiences, such as you and Vero, I think that it helps people to understand that life will go on. And I don't think it's something that people should necessarily be afraid of. That's true. That's true. What's I'm your gonna, I'm gonna say a little bit about our um, Native American belief. I am full-blooded Native American, and um, Native American really, as far as a belief system, 
we only believe that that just there's rituals that there's there is a, a life going on beyond we just transfer from one dimension if you will to the other dimension and it's just like sleep world when we go to sleep it's almost like we enter one dimension we leave the reality of this world and go to the dimension of sleep and that becomes our reality at that time right and this is the same this is the same type of reference we believe in the essence of saying that we just transfer from one time and one system of reality to another when we leave this body. Um, there is no such thing as religion among the Native American tribes. Um, some rituals, a lot of them are, are shared commonly with all the tribes. Um, one common aspect is that the spirit of the deceased lives on in a journey to the afterlife, and there's no concept in our belief as far as heaven and hell. And um, that was brought about by the Christianity and everything else like that. And I know a lot of people believe um, quite quite vividly in that in that concept. But among the Native Americans, we do not have a concept of heaven and hell. We just go from one life to the next. We go and from living to the spirit world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Vero says, and, you're right on belief system. Also, isn't my choice neither to come back. He said, I am Alpha and Omega. You need to work, so go back. She was mad because she wanted to stay, but she had to return to her body. Now, Sonia, she says that she's not afraid at all. So Sonia is not afraid of death. I mean, I think it's something that's unknown, but I think, Sonia, if I'm, if I can speak for you, I, I think you kind of accept the fact that, you know, it, it's there, it's going to happen, and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's part, and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, you know, death is a part of life. It's just, you're going to, you're entering a different realm of uh, existence. And uh, Beth says, she goes, not me. I believe there is life after death, maybe not body, but our souls. Absolutely, Beth. And I think you're you're right on point with that. I think everybody, every living creature, everything has a soul. Um, Vera, she says, no, con uh, no, contrary is the most peaceful place and lovable. Earth is Lux on Tenorbis but is our recycled karma place to clean our hope to be more pure and become unison in universal energy religion shouldn't stop us. God is spirit and love energy. Um, yeah. What, what's your, what's your feeling on that, Rick? I like that. I really do. Um, she's had somewhat some kind of the experience that I did. And um, also as far as in the, in the belief, it says that some tribes, we believe in communication with the dead, but it also involves different spiritual uh, rituals and ceremonies. Um, there's different ways that different tribes treat the deceased. Um, it is in recognition that the native tribes believe that they will be buried above the earth because the decomposition at that time solidifies us being as what we were before, spirit we once were and spirit will we, we will become. 
if that you know if you follow me there as far as that goes right and uh, there's um there's a lot of things that are different as far as belief systems throughout the world eddie i was so overwhelmed in some of the concepts and beliefs of um, different religions across the world and different cultures oh i believe it and uh real quick we got a uh, tony uh, Tony just came into the channel. He said, good evening, gents. Tony's from the UK, a good friend of mine. Uh, glad you could make it in, Tony. Appreciate you being here, brother. Rick, I'm going to leave it with you for about one and a half minutes. I've got to run and get me another drink, and I will be right back. So I'm going to drop out of here, and I'm going to leave you on the on the show talking. But, uh, yeah, man, it's great that we've got a great audience tonight, too, by the way. And, uh, I, you know, everybody jump in there, get involved. If you've got questions, ask. If you got stories or anything you want to share, jump in there into the comment section and, and uh, post it. You know, we'd be glad to put it up here and uh, and talk about it a little bit. So, Rick, it's all yours for just a moment. I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. All right. Well, people, I just want to explain to you that, um, you know, the diversity of what we have on this earth and on this planet is quite varied very very much so in in the belief system in the religion and different aspects of how we accept and sometimes how we deny the fact that we will become an individual again some of us believe in reincarnation there are some of the tribes that i've been in contact with that's, that believe that we are reincarnated again this is very true with the hindu uh culture and um there's, there's just a, a bunch of people that believe that we will live again and we will be a, a part of another world, so to speak, once we depart from this world. And I'd really much like to have your opinions and like to hear from you as far as, like we were talking about earlier, as far as NDEs and um, what maybe has transpired. If you've had visits from loved ones after they've, after they've uh, gone, um, I remember when we buried my twin brother, um, we had a big, whoo, we had a big argument with my mother's church about whether or not they were going to allow a native ritual to be held at the same time as the burial that they were uh, going to have for my brother. And they decided that it was okay if we wanted to go ahead and do it, we could do it after their ceremony and um i can say that after they were done with their ceremony and we started ours that there was probably 80 to 90 percent of the church that was still there while we went through our ceremony and uh give him his i had promised him that i would give him a native burial and uh, we did we did and it was just something that um was it was a beautiful thing it was a beautiful awakening of celebration of not only his life but other people surrounding his um, totality of life in general and there's eddie back uh, now i'm back <laughs> <laughs> but no i just tell him eddie that i'd like to hear the opinions of um other people that believe, you know, what their belief systems are, whether or not uh, they've had visitation from deceased loved ones, and right. uh, whether or not 
you know, who believes in that or or has experienced it. And um, like I said, the culture of death is something that is universal, that it is something that no matter who you are, we are the only species alive on planet Earth that knows we are going to die. And that's saying a lot. I mean, that's 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 you know from every culture across the uh, board. You know what? On that part of it, I want to say yes and no, Rick. Okay. And and I'm going to tell you why. And and there's a reason behind this. And and Sony, I'm going to ask your opinion because you deal with a lot of animals. But honestly, I think for the most part all or if not most animals know when it's their time um i've been around my dogs when they're going to pass and as sad as it is you look into their eyes they know it's time you can tell uh they may not have the energy to move or to get up but you can look in their eyes and you can see that it's time for them and they know it's time and yet good point with every ounce of energy they have, they'll sit there and wag their tail and they'll lay there with you. And I've laid there with my dogs and I've watched them pass on and they know mm-hmm. when they to go. It, I, I feel it in my bones. You know, it's like they're projecting their thoughts to you like, it's okay. You know, this is all, it's all okay. This is the way it's supposed to be. And, and it right. makes, to me, I think, that, you know, just because of our, I hate to use the term intelligence because there's not that much of that with a lot of people right now, but for most of <laughs> us, the intelligence, um, I, I want to say that we know from the time we're old enough to have thoughts that there's life and death. I think it may not be as true with animals, but I think animals do know when they're going to pass. And I do think that the way they feel, um, and this is just me, but I, it, it's almost like they're at ease with the whole process. Where with humans, we're more fearful of the process. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that point, Eddie. I had a, a little bitty chihuahua. I mean, she was the love of my life for um, 14 years. And... Um, she passed in my arms and I, I remember looking and just like you said, I remember looking into those eyes and she kind of let me know it was okay, dad, I'm going and, and I will come back to visit you. And Eddie, two weeks after that, I was sitting on the couch and she'd always come up and nuzzle my leg on the ankle to let me know that she was needing attention. I was sitting there watching the news and I felt that nudge on my ankle. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it just, it flabbergasted me. Right. I didn't know what to think. I, I actually looked down to see if there was a dog down there next to my leg. They do come back. And I've heard many stories of animal spirits coming back. I'll share one with y'all here in just a moment. Um, what else I have here says, I believe that when we die, we become spirits and still protect and love the ones who still live. That we become higher form of who we once were. I, I, I totally agree. And uh, Sonia says, animals and people, Eddie. Yes, absolutely. And Tony 
He says, yes, but they know when it's your time. So basically, like, I guess Tony's saying that, you know, like your pet, your dog, your cat will probably know as well when it's your time to go, you know, during that at, at that moment. And I believe that. I know. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all saw it, but there was a an old video that was circulating where a husky uh, was taken to his owner's grave and apparently stayed there. And I believe that dog stayed there for six or seven years, you know, off and on, only leaving to get water and food and going back and sleeping with its owner until one day he passed away right there on the on the grave of his owner. Um, animals are amazing. That's all I can say. Oh, they are. Um, they are. Another thing, Eddie, I, I was looking into, I had a couple of people ask me, well, when was you first in touch with the the idea that there was death. I think I was about five years old. I remember my grandfather passing. And um, that was the first time I'd ever been touched by that. And I didn't know what to think. I didn't know how to act because I'd never been at that door before. And um, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And, and, and in my case, it was left that way for quite a long time until at a, uh, at another time, there was other people that talked to me about it and let me know what was actually going on with the process of him passing. And I'm wondering if there's other people out there that might have had, you know, the same kind of experiences when they were young and they had questions and they didn't know what was transpiring at that time. You know, if anybody's got any other stories or anything you want to share on that, you know, go ahead and uh, put them in there in the in the chat room. And that way we can uh, post them up and everybody can talk about it. But I'm going to tell you a quick little story. And uh, this is a true story. And it deals with a family that ended up having to move away from their home. And where they were moving to, they were unable to take their pet. They couldn't take their dog, which was a golden retriever that they had. And they left the dog with a friend of theirs that was close friends. Uh, they knew the dog would be well taken care of. And, and they moved and they left the dog behind. Um, I think it was around six or seven years later. This uh, family heard something at the door, some scratching. They went to check the door, opened it, and this golden retriever ran in that looked just like theirs. Greeted them, wagged its tail, the whole thing, ran around in circles, happy, like, you know, happy to see you. Ran straight up the stairs where the kids were. And of course, they were much older, but they ran, it ran into their rooms, greeted all of them. The, the, Husband and wife were looking at each other in astonishment. They couldn't figure out what just happened. They ran upstairs, you know, like, oh, my God, that looks just like our old dog. Could not find the dog inside the house anywhere. It just disappeared. The kid said, yeah, the dog came into our room and, and it looked like our old dog and it was wagging its tail and it was all happy. We don't know where it went. Well, they searched the house from top to bottom. Couldn't find the dog. Couldn't find the dog. They, uh called their friend to tell him what had happened and 
they started in on the conversation with like, you're not going to believe this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, before you tell me your story, he goes, I got some bad news. He goes, you're, you know, your dog. And I forget what the dog's name was. He goes, he passed away today. And, uh, I was trying to figure out how I was going to call and tell you. And, uh, it was just amazing that the love that this dog had for this cup, this it's old family, that it came back to visit them, basically to let them know that it was okay and to say goodbye. Amazing, amazing thing that took place there. And so if anybody ever wonders if a dog has a soul, they do. Um, Real quick, I got to read some comments on here. Uh, Beth says, I have seen my bro and my mom in our house. They both pass in the house in the same room they passed in uh, different years. But then I have seen other people, too. No, not crazy. I, I believe that. Beth. I mean, that that actually happens to quite a few people. And I think when some souls, some spirits actually show up, it's almost like leaving a light on for other spirits to kind of follow them. And they show up there along with some of these other spirits. So I think it kind of attracts more as uh, time goes on. Darren Wedlock says, my mother came back to visit me. The love and joy that surrounded her was unforgettable. Darren, that is awesome story. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful when family members and pets show back up to visit and show their love and support and to let everybody know that, hey, I'm still here. Things are good. You know, I'm okay. Don't worry. And that, I think, gives everybody a lot of relief in their heart for the people and pets that they miss so much. Sonia says, that is true, Eddie. And their spirit comes back through another pet. The pets I own now, their personality, it's similar to the pets I had in the past. Brings back a lot of good memories. So basically, you know, it's like a reincarnation of these souls within these new pets. And uh, she says they come back to you. And uh, Jake Warren, your son there, Rick, uh, he wrote a book here. He said, uh, (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned your brother's death earlier, Dad. It was tragic, and yet it offered us a chance. Whoops, popped up. A chance to reconnect with, with and revitalize parts of our culture that we had been led to believe dead. It's distinctly modern thing to be overly frightened of death. Overall, death terrifies um, because it appears devoid of meaning because it seems we have no control over whether or not our death means anything to anyone. That's why it's important to have some form of plan so that when the time comes, your friends and family are aware of and can respect your wishes, allowing them to share in the process with you, ensure a peaceful transition of the spirit. Amen, Jake. That is awesome. You raised a good son there, Rick. Thank you. Very proud of that man. Sonia says, my cousin passed away a year ago. A couple of days after her passing, I was outside doing yard work with my mother, and we heard 
uh, a dog barking, but the sound couldn't possibly be a dog. So I asked my cousin, if that's you, can you please let me know and show yourself? And within a minute, a coyote walked out of the bushes and I knew instantly it was, it was her. So I said hi to her. Ha ha. So she showed up as a coyote. You know, I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, my luck, I'd probably show up as something that get its freaking butt kicked. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't want to be a kitten. <laughs> um, Michelle says, I remember my first experience with spirits was six, was when she was six, when I seen Native American spirits in our house. Being Cherokee, I took back on it as being ancestors. I never met who were just checking on me. So she had some people checking on her. And that's pretty awesome, Michelle. I mean, that, that's a mm -hmm. story. And, and that's something that you might want to try and keep in contact with. And Antonella, hello, Eddie. Hello, Antonella. And she says, hello, Rick. Hello. <laughs> so yeah man it's awesome i mean we, we got some we got a good group on here tonight love the stories keep them coming in guys i mean and girls it's this is great you know all the stories that we share with each other i think it's really awesome um you know it's uh it, it's really cool to hear what people experience and and what happens and and some of the things that they've experienced and what they thought when they experienced them because this is the kind of thing that I think gives people a lot of hope and uh, lets people push forward and uh, can go on with life knowing that they, they're surrounded by friends, family, pets, that kind of a thing. And that they're there to help us through, you know, some difficult times possibly. And they'll show themselves when the time is right and when they're most needed. So uh, with that, continue on, Rick. Okay. I, I agree with you totally, Eddie, on that. It has been very important that no matter what has transpired with my relation, my twin brother, or who in my family passed and everything, that there was a gathering of like people that sat there and, and uh, we shared that grief and we shared that mourning of who had passed and everything. In different cultures, where I'm going to talk about here, um, I'm going to say that in the Native American culture, after my brother passed, I was not allowed to dance at the powwows for one year. I was not allowed to uh, wear regalia for one year. And after that year of mourning, I was brought out by a shaman out of mourning. And that way I could go ahead and continue my journey as it was with the, with the people at the powwows and start dancing again. Wow. So there is actually like a ritual that you had to go through in order to come out of the morning as well. Yes. Yes. That's For one year, we couldn't do anything as, as far as just being in that place of being able to contact and be able to talk with the deceased. And in, in Korea, they believe in cremation is a common place the ashes are turned into a colorful bead. Um, though they are never worn, they're turned into col colorful beads. And um, these beads are placed all over the house. And it, it is um, 
It is a belief that any place in that room where beads are put with that person's ashes being in that room, they will be in that room with that person. Hmm. And this was in Korea. In China, white is the color of mourning. White flowers to someone from China is inappropriate at any time because they are used during the funeral and during the uh, time of mourning in China to grieve over that deceased one. And so um, China, you can't just give white flowers at any certain time. It no, is during no. the time of mourning or death. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, and they, they, they um, take this very serious as far as the Chinese and up to the point of hiring professional whalers, as they call it, to go throughout the town and through the village and every place else like that, because at that time it is thought that the people that are mourning are incapacitated to the point where they don't know what is going on as far as mourning and, and, and things like that in the process of that ceremony. Hmm. So they actually hire professional whalers to go with the, with the group to take care of their deceased ones. Wow. Now, real quick, and, uh, Tony, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I thought, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't know that at all. Uh, in Japan, for instance, it's just the opposite because they use and they see death as being a liberation and uh, a representation of who that person was and the ones that are expressing their love and condolences to the group that is mourning and that the passing. And um, what I found interesting most about this was that in Japan, the ashes are sifted and they are placed in urns as far as their, the ashes, but the bones are separated from the ashes and given to the temple and given to the family. And it's also given to their employers. Their employers? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this it's an honorable, very honor, honored society the Japanese are. And I, I wish that I could get somebody that knew more about that culture. But it just um, it intrigued me to know what to know when that they actually separated the ashes of the person that was cremated and then give the bones to the family and to the mourners and to the temple and things like that. Well, if anybody out there knows anything about uh, Japanese uh, ceremonies like this, uh, go ahead and send us a message and uh, let Rick know a little bit more about that. Tony says, when I first became very unwell, I felt like there was a time where I felt I was being touched mainly on my neck at any time of the day, but normally when alone. But I felt like my loved ones were calling on me. Uh, but since I've had change with help. And uh, so basically, I think uh, maybe this might have been family members showing up to help you there, Tony. At least that's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, Darren says, my ex-wife wanted my ashes put into an egg timer so she could get more work out of me. <laughs> that's horrible. That's horrible, Darren. Okay. Continue. <laughs> 
Wow. But no, I, I thought about this topic, Eddie, because we are paranormal analytical, okay? We talk to spirits. We go out and find spirits. We go to cemeteries. We go to houses. We go to places that are haunted, so to speak. And yet I really and sometimes wonder if some of these groups that do go out realize that the spirits that they're talking to were once just like you and me. Yeah, there were people. You know, a, a majority of these spirits that we go and we talk to or we speak to or we try and connect with were once people just like you and I. We were walking, talking, breathing. Uh, you know, we had a life. We had family. We had friends. You know, we had a job. You know, we did things. We were part of this earth. And when we pass, we really, truly become a part of this earth. And we become part of the spirit energy that's around us. So... I think honestly, it's a it's a great feeling to know that no matter what, you know, we continue forward and we continue on a journey. And I think it's a learning quest that we go on where we continuously try and or we strive to know more about, you know, our surroundings, what's around us, what we're you know, what's going on. And the more that we learn, the more that we pick up on uh like Sonia says, she believes in reincarnation. I think each time that you come back, it's a learning experience into becoming a better or having a better spirit life. So I think it's a, I think it's a teaching. It's a learning. And this is just part of it. And just like some people, you can say that they're an old soul or a person's an old soul. That's because that soul has been around. It's learned a lot more than a lot of the other souls that you see. I think a lot of the new souls or ones that haven't been around very much or haven't been around at all are some of the ones that I think have the hardest time uh, with what happens around them and hard time and a harder time dealing with what's going on around them. What's your opinion on that? I, I like that. I really do because I know when I first got into the field, Eddie, there was a lot of people that looked at me and thought, man, you're crazy. You know, I just don't understand why you would want to do something like that. I had church people. I had common people on the streets that would just, I mean, basically criticize and sometimes cuss at me because I was studying this field of this, of what I thought was, was just something I wanted to know more about. Because let's face it, we're going to be in that spirit world one of these days. And I wanted to know. I wanted to see, I wanted to feel, and I wanted to be a part of this field to where we can study, to where we can talk, to where we can come together as groups like this and people that are in the chat and everything and give our opinions and, and have that ability to talk with another about right. what's going on in the prepare Where we can prepare and, yeah. and hopefully learn even more. Now, Vero says, sure, we are organic beings. Part stay on earth and spiritual will be infinite to the soul opportunity to grow and clean. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically what we were talking about. And uh, yeah, very good, Vero. And, you know, I think that the more times that we end up here on earth, the more we learn, the more we are able to process the information around us. 
and the more we're able to grow as a spirit when the time comes we're more defined we're more refined we are uh, mm-hmm. in a sense smarter stronger able to understand more and possibly if we come back the next time around we'll even be smarter and be able to accept a lot more things Eddie, I think you're, you hit it right on the head right there. I, I don't think we understand or, or actually have come to the full realization of what actually is out there as far as the dimensional worlds, the, the, the spirit world is concerned. We've only been able to tap into that energy from what we are to what they are and actually feel a small portion of that reality as far as what that reality is and we really don't understand very much of that reality right now i mean we have you guys have some great equipment you know it just astounds me what we have been able to come up with as far as technology technological and um the ability to sit there and and explore and to investigate where we go on these trips and everything But I wonder if we've just tapped the very edge. It's like an iceberg. And what we see on top as far as what we have in this reality is way, way, way more different than what the actual reality and and the totality of that is out in that world. I agree. And I think we're just now just chipping away at the very edge of everything that there is to learn. I don't think there's any way we could possibly understand everything that there is out there. I think with the amount of equipment that we have and what we're using, I think it's, we have a long way to go, Rick. We have a long way to go. We have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. And we're infants basically in what we know right now in this field. And until we are able to scientifically gather the amount of information that we need and be able to replicate everything that we do with constant contact each and every time, there's no way we're going to be able to know for sure, but we need to be able to develop and continuously advance with an open mind. What all we need to do in order to cross over and contact the other side, because if we stay stagnant, continuously doing what we're doing, we're never going to advance. We have to think outside the box. Exactly. You know, uh, it's great whatever we're doing right now, but we're we're like crawling. We need to start trying to stand up and get on our feet with this thing. So the only way to do that is to start thinking outside the box and to be able to push ourselves forward in order to be able to develop new and better equipment in order to make that phone call to the other side. You know, um, it wasn't that long ago when the telephone was invented. Mm -hmm. And we all know who invented the telephone. Who was that, Rick? Alexander Graham Bell. Right. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. So Thomas Edison once said, there'll be a time when we'll be able to make a phone call to the spirit world. And Thomas Edison was also the very first person that collected the very first electronic voice phenomena. A lot of people don't know that, but he was the first one. And because Mm -hmm. 
and he collected that voice from beyond. He said, there will come a time when at some point we'll be able to phone our deceased loved ones and speak with them directly. And we are in the infant stages of that right now. And we are still working toward that one goal. Yep. I find it very intriguing that even Nostradamus in one of his quatrains said that mankind, one of these days, will be speaking to each other through rocks. I can't exactly name that quatrain or anything else like that. But if you'll pick up your phone and look at it, inside of each one of our phones right now is a piece of quartz. That is exactly what he was discussing and talking about in the prophetic way of saying that we would be talking to each other with rocks. And, it, and that just intrigues me to no end. Well, that's why quartz is used so much in the metaphysical world. You know, we're, mm-hmm. whenever you're using prayers, if you're using chants, if you're using trying to cleanse, if you're doing so many things, quartz is used for so much. And let's take the crystal skulls, for instance. Those are made of quartz. Some people believe that they hold information. And if a little slither or a little slice of quartz can hold, I don't know how many terabytes of information. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what, say, a five or 10 pound crystal quartz skull would be able to hold. But the problem is, is how do you access that? And if there is information in it, how do we get it out? You know, obviously it was designed, if that's what it is, it was designed by people a heck of a lot more intelligent than we are right now. (laughs) Yeah. But there's got to be a way, you know? And, uh, I mean, so it's, uh, it's very different. And I think as long as we continue working toward that same goal, I think we'll be doing pretty good. And uh, we have about two minutes, Rick, left on the show. Time flew today. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And we had an outstanding, outstanding group of people in the chat tonight and we want to thank all of you for all your comments and stories that you shared with us rick uh closing comments brother i'm like you i'm i'm just thankful for everybody that that commented on everything i would like to maybe carry this discussion on at a further time i think we just touched the very tip of what needs to be said concerning what we're going to find once we pass from this world into the next one and what our thoughts and what our um, what that reality may be to each and every one of us. We we both have ideas, but we can share that. And I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. I agree. And we got one last comment I'm going to read out here from Vero. She says, uh, yes, indeed. Stop to hold the infinite mind and predisposed beliefs, as Tesla said, until man's machinery don't connect to the universal energy will not know. So um, I'm basically thinking that this is uh, eventually sometime or another, we'll have the means to uh, speak and touch the other side and be able to speak to our loved ones that have passed on. Maybe at some point in time, like Thomas Edison said, they're just a phone call away. And uh, honestly, I think to this day, 
if you take the time to sit there and say hi to them every day, people that you love, animals that you love, they'll always be there and they'll always be there for you. Uh, I honestly feel that they hear you, they're with us and uh, they help guide us in our everyday lives. But I want to thank everybody that's been on the show tonight. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor, especially to share and uh, to listen to the stories that you all have said. Uh, we love you guys, and we look forward to uh, having the show ne again next uh, Saturday. But next Saturday, you're going to be in for a treat. Dylan Holiday will be coming back next Saturday, and he'll be coming back with an, an interesting story talking about the disappearances and the paranormal events surrounding Mount Shasta. This is a story and a show you're not going to want to miss. So Dylan Holiday will finally be back. And uh, he's going to be uh, talking to you guys about a lot of stuff. Rick Warren's going to be with uh, Dylan. He's going to be helping him there with the show. So, Rick, you and Dylan are going to knock this out. You know what? I might even show up on that show next week because this sounds oh, like it's super cool. And uh, I'm doing research right now. I mean, it's just blown my mind. <laughs> Sorry, I missed the beginning. I will listen to the recording. Take care. Thank you, Antonella. We appreciate you being here. You know, God bless you. And uh, Tony, real quick, he says, thanks, gents. Good night. Good night, Tony. Take care, brother. I hope you're feeling well. And uh, Sonny says, been there. Ha ha. Sonny, you've been everywhere. You know, <laughs> you're going to have to really get on here one of these times on the show and tell us all the places you've been and all the different things that you've encountered. Because I think you've been all over the place. And uh, which is really cool. I envy you. I envy you. So, uh Hopefully, uh, at some point in time, we'll be able to get Gordon back on. But Gordon, I think, will be back on the show tomorrow night with Rick and I on Political Analytical. Don't miss that. we got a great show for, for you coming on tomorrow night as well. And uh, we're, uh, we're looking forward to uh, talking with you guys tomorrow night on the political side of things. And uh, we're just hoping things get better on that. But don't forget, next Saturday, Dylan Holiday, Rick Warren in Mount Shasta. This is going to be a great show. I might even sneak on for that one. I might have to. You know that, Rick, right? Okay. I'd be more than welcome, Eddie. <laughs> All right. Everybody take care. We love you guys. Thank you once again. And uh, we'll be seeing you all real soon. Thank you.